comes down to the four existential questions, you know, where do we come from? Where are we going? Why are we here? And who am I? So the big question is this, how do truth-seeking entrepreneurs like us sift through the gurus and teachers that persuade us through hype by promoting half-truths? How do we as inspired individuals raise our awareness so we can access ever greater levels of achievement and fulfillment? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Ben Trengrove, and welcome to the Human Source Codex with her host Kelly Stewart. Kelly and I are going to go and in, going to go into the topic of ethics and morals, and again, always coming back to our mission or our north star of redefining what self mastery is, which is essentially having self governance over mind. Um, ethics and morals play a massive part. And I was talking to Kelly about this um, yesterday around, you know, to understand history is powerful because then we can more easily connect the dots kind of going forward in, in the present state that we're in now. Uh, but a lot of things get diluted and have half-truth um, along the way of uh, history through thousands of years. So this is certainly Kelly's realm of knowledge because she's done extensive research in, into history and, and philosophy and, and uh social dynamic ethics and morals so she'll be the main uh, spokesperson to this so where should we kind of um where do you want to kind of start unpacking this kelly well thanks benji i guess the the, the subject of um morals and ethics is quite a diverse one across many forms and it's uh pertaining to people's perceptions of you know every look at it, you know, what they actually perceive as right and wrong, you know, to, to actually polarise it to the nth degree. But to simplify it is that I always come back to nature and that's our highest governing force is nature. We could say use universal laws in nature. Now, in nature, there is no such thing as morals and ethics. So... Um, we have to ask the questions like where did morals and ethics actually come from? And they're an anthropomorphization from like a human form of projection of how we potentially should live life according to the values of those who are actually anthropomorphizing or projecting onto society or societies. Um, communities, belief systems or individuals on how they should be demonstrating their, their life. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's so many attributes to morals and ethics, you know, there's a lot of committees around in terms of health and uh, well-being and we could even say uh, ethically we should be living in a way that we actually honour all human form. Now, we, I could also then link that back to, you know, like ethically, if we're going to honour people living in, in, in a way that actually emulates human dynamics, then that again comes back to nature. So the truest form of, of ethical behaviour or moralistic behaviour is the essence of, of nature or universal laws. Mm, mm. So if, if we go back to... Um... As I, said, as I said to you yesterday, I was, I was doing a little bit of research and I was trying to find the, I was seeking out the, like the inception of knowledge because I perceived that either the inception of language, like it must have had to have come all the way back there because once language is formed, then something could be projected or, or you know, something like this. And I found out that it was 
the Sumerian or, or Sanskrit um, as the originators of, of language. Now, I could be wrong. If we're going back all the way back then to the inception of, of knowledge or language, why do you, have you done any of the research on um, the first example of, you know, where ethics and morals even came from? Like, who, like does this, did the, the idea just pop into someone's head, like, oh, let's control the masses or? Well, I mean, that's a $54 million question, isn't it? Like to, mm. to go back to the inception point of where language began or where did right. the universe begin? You know, was it, did it start with a big bang or is it an infinite universe? Is it a remodeling universe? And uh, the, the, few, the first construct of like communication, like what was mm. that? You know, mm -hmm. again, what, what you're trying to do is actually place like finite understanding onto something that is infinite. So, um, and this is, this is the, the search that comes from within is to actually, you know, like understand how universe works or, or, or universal laws or nature actually works, you know, and what is the, what is the meaning of life? You know, we could go all mm. into all of those constructs, right? Mm. And it comes down to the four existential questions, you know, where do we come from? Where are we going? Why are we here? And who am I? So mm. it's all linked into, into those particular things. And, you know, I could say that the only universal language that we really do have in, is mathematics. And that's a, that's a language that is actually congruent across all languages um, on the planet, really. And we can go into looking at that, the way that we communicate you know, through numbers and then like numbers actually relationary to sound or harmonics or frequency and vibration. And then mm. we can look at, you know, like space and time dimensions too, all based around like equations. And so to me, the most universal form of language is actually mathematics. So then where did mathematics actually begin and where does it have a beginning or does it have an end? So that is something that I can't answer. Yeah, and, and, and I, get, I, I guess it's also though, sorry for butting in, I guess it's also, we only have access to what we have access, meaning mm -hmm. thousands of years ago, if it wasn't written on a tablet or if it wasn't put down in some physical form that it can be stored, mm -hmm. we, we only have access to what we have access, right? Yeah. And I guess, um, I don't know why that I thought I'd easily unpack this conversation with you. What I'm so Of stupid. course not. Of course not. But if we, if we were to break it down into the, you know, the simplest form of morals and ethics, right, we could say that one of the greatest morals and ethics that has been projected upon humanity is the perception of the, uh, the perception of heaven and hell, right? Mm -hmm. if, you, if you don't actually do, do something that is pertaining to somebody's projection, then you're going to go to hell for it, right? So it's, it creates a fantasy and nightmare equation, which is a polarization effect, right? Mm -hmm. And in essence, I'd be more um, apt to ask the question, like why was morals and ethics actually developed? Mm. So As opposed to like, where did it actually come from? Like, why was it actually developed? And mm. why, do, why do we have this construct? Mm. And, why is it still, and why does it still live on? Hasn't become necessarily extinct. The, the the question I have then is um, is 
a friend of mine popping in, you know, it's got into my mind of nature and nurture. Mm-hmm. And the question then begs to do we as humans then, because it, let's just call ethics moral, you know, so this at a, at, a, at, a, at a simple level, right and wrong at one level, do we as humans, if we weren't in a social structure, would we, would we still know what is right or wrong? How am I trying to say this? Let me put it like this way. Would we, Good luck would we with that. Know, exactly. Good luck with that. What exactly. is right or wrong? You know? Would we yeah. know that, um, okay, let's just take it back to not near sand in the end whole days, but like far, far back. If we're living in a small tribe, would we know that if I'm a grown man, that abusing and beating up a child, would that feel wrong within myself, like I'm doing something wrong? Um, you know, ra- you know, raping a child, raping a woman, um, killing a child, because you see this through tribes, they get indoctrinated in different ways. Like, you know, you become a man like this, you become a woman like this, you know, this is accepted in different cultures. And this is what I said to my friend Scott, do we? Do we have this nature and nurture? Do we have this intrinsic um, knowing of, um, you know, I'm, I'm harming a baby, the baby's crying, I'm harming a woman, the woman's trying to get away. Does that create a feeling in myself like, oh, this is wrong, this is not right? That's an interesting question to explore. <laughs> Very much so, quite a controversial one too. Um, I guess like in, in terms of that, is looking at the the actual, you're going, we'll take it back to what you said, you know, like um, Neanderthal days. And you look at what was their primary objective in life back then was survival, so, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So therefore the only subordinations that they were really subordinating to was to actually preserve life and live within the governance of nature, right? So if if there was you know not enough food for those particular people to survive back then then yes there would be you know probably cannibalism that would happen and um and was that judged as being you know morally or ethically incorrect no probably not you know because it's at the lowest form of nature you know what i mean like survival of the fittest so it's life and death physics it's life and death to be able to you know, preserve the essence of, you know, those that, that are. But that's showing up as, but what you're talking about is showing up as a, as a, as a, as a socially accepted or, or, or a dumb thing. I'm talking about that even if it was socially acceptable for cannibalism to happen, if I was going to go kill a, a teenager or whatever that happens to be, would I feel it within myself like, hmm, it doesn't feel right? Or would I just be like, oh. Like, um, that's something that I can't answer because like, I can't put myself back into those people's shoes, right? I mean, being in their position to actually um, ask that question like to mm. them. But if you wanted to relate it to the, the perception of man that was less evolved back then, that they're living in their, um, more in the limbic system and into their uh, amygdala in terms of, you know, fight, flight, response reactionary things in terms of survival is that it'd be no different to a lion hunting an antelope and then killing it and then eating Mm. it because it needed to eat to survive so Mm. um 
And in essence, that's just what is also occurring um, throughout time and space with, with people today, if you look at it from that thing. And, you know, people are going to know that it's still probably wrong that somebody's killed somebody that they don't really eat. But the, the form of satiation has changed or changed form from needing to actually eat to survive to potentially, you know, become predatory over prey in terms of feeling or satiating addictive uh, tendencies like within, mm. within humans. That's a whole other story. That's a whole other conversation to be able to go down from that. But, yeah. but it also too, you know, um, if you look at coming back to like morals and ethics and in terms of behavior, if you travel the world as I have done extensively and looked into different cultures, is that there's so many different cultural belief systems and there's so many different cultural subordinations that are actually occurring around the world. So, you know, in one part of the world, you know, say for Africa, for example, um, you can see that there's polygamy that's occurring or polyamory, which is uh, quite normal, like within Zulu and within Maasai tribes, etc. And do they judge that as being morally and ethically correct no they don't because they are just living their values of what you know the way that they've been probably conditioned and brought up and lived their life but then if you come go to australia or to america that is judged as you know morally wrong or morally incorrect because of religious constructs that have been injected or injected belief systems that uh, people are actually living by, right? Mm. So if you want to break it that down into the simplest form is that humans are mammalian by nature. And so therefore, um, let's just say monogamy is, is actually not part of their natural way of being. Actually, there's only forms on the planet that are really labeled as, as being monogamous, but unfortunately humans are not one of them so you know people get constrained by these belief systems on how they should be living so when i hear the word should i know that it's an injected belief system or it's an injected authority that people are actually you know living inside other people's values not living true to the authenticity of who they truly are right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay so okay great so as this expands out towards coming back to the present day what is, um, are you able to define or, or what is the difference between, like what, what is morals, the construct of morals, and what is the construct of ethics? Or are they the well, same thing? Well, to me, I think that they are pretty similar in, in terms of nature, in terms of being, is that um, morals is actually uh, how you're actually going to live your life. Like I'm going to live my life morally by doing and ethics is actually living by somebody else's values, right? So one is actually going to uh, put out to the world. One is I'm going to take into the into myself. Uh, I see. So you could say I live congruently morally would be an accurate statement. Or if yeah. you're shooting on yourself, this is ethics then. Yeah. Okay, so cool. if you look, if you look at uh, you know ethics committees and stuff, they they set out a, a, a parameter of how you must act. In, in a way in accordance to their ethical standards. So you're taking that and you're bringing it into your being. 
and then morally I'm going to act this way. So that that is, do you understand what I'm saying? Like one is injecting, one is projecting. But it's, it's beautiful because if you look at it as you relate it to universal laws, chaos and order, it's almost as if morals is the chaos, <laughs> ethics is the order. Well, and, that's and, what I say, like in, in universal constructs, if you want to go back to the purest form of that, you know, like is is that that is really the only subordination that you can really live by is the, the purest form of, of chaos and order or cause and effect, right? Mm-hmm. So, and there, that is based on the values of life physics or, or keeping yourself alive in, in, you know, the most existential form, right? And mm-hmm. then off that existential form of self-preservation, we then start to have... Um, what, what I would actually say more of a, a value construct of what it is that your purpose and what your meaning is here to be and do, right? So then from that form, um, once you actually know what that is, everything will be derived from that, including your own moral, um, moral, moralistic persona that will actually come from that space to actually protect your values, right? So it's still... Uh, self-preservation or cause and effect that's actually playing playing yeah. out so is therefore but, is it a... but on. you know like you it's it's also having an awareness that i'm i'm now living within the societal beliefs of what and how i should be acting moralistically depending on what country i'm in and how i should um conduct my business or you know, what ethically, what uh, area or vocation that you're actually in too as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does that make I, sense? For sure. And I, and I think this is when it's... And when again, it's again, if you want to actually, you want to actually look at um, a lot of the ethics departments these days are all based on what we perceive as uh, comes back to overprotection of humanity. Mm. Hundred mm. percent. Um, yeah, it's interesting because um, that means that if you, your own morals that you set for yourself, by definition, to the existential world or to anyone on the outside of you, is your own ethics to the outside projection, right? Pretty much. Like your own morals is a projection of your own ethics. Well, it becomes other people's ethics then if they're playing within your circle. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, because I understand what you're saying. It's almost like uh, we don't want to actually be kicked out of the herd, so we want to fit in, so we're going to actually comply to become that, right? No, but I mean, I mean, it's like if I started a business and a corporation mm-hmm. and I have my own values within the business and my own, you know, my moralistic nature, then the ethics that I put, then they become the ethics of then the business that people have to adhere to, at least within that company, no? Standards of procedures they're called today. Right, right. But same, same, same thing, right? SOPs. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. The, the, the interesting that thing that you brought up before is that um, while some people really kind of teach, you know, standing out from the crowd and mm-hmm. becoming individual, is that no one, sorry, not no one, there's not many people, the teachers that I've seen that teach standing up as an individual, as an empowered leader for yourself, but also harnessing the power of the collective or, or, or a, a wider group of people and merging the two. 
it's quite often either you've conformed in a big way and you've subordinated or you've really stood out from the crowd and become a separate individual, but you've also disconnected. And because we live in this world of, of, of cohabitat and harmony with people, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's really learning the art of actually being able to combine those two. Like how can I best conform to society and use it to my effect by doing so? Very much so. So having a conscious understanding of what's actually occurring and it's, it's, uh, it's actually, it's rising above what is actually, you know, happening and being able to make a conscious decision in, in which direction that you're going to actually play. But to understand the difference, if you're doing that, then you're having governance over what and how you're going to um, act in the world. But if you're unconscious to it, you're going to be just reacting to outside uh projections actually directing you in the world right so it's become comes down to conscious decision making processes or really really seeing both sides which then gives you what we call super conscious and when we're in the super conscious our awareness actually expands exponentially so therefore we're playing a different frequency and a different vibration but when we're unconscious and we're being swayed or outer directed then we become, um, how can I say, like you're not actually leading your own life. You're being led by others. Does that make sense? So, yeah. yeah. So that, I mean, that's... This is where I think, you know, I think you I don't know to the extent that you've done it, but you will know origins of certain words. And we've mentioned it a couple of times, but that's why I love how you break down um, the definition of government into the two forms it is, you know, um, that you see govern is, is control and, and ment is mentis, which is mind, so mind control mm-hmm. of government and mm-hmm. uh, neither, neither right nor wrong. But again, if you're, if you're living at the lowest level of mm-hmm. being out of directed because again, you don't know your teleology, you don't know your purpose and you're through birth through to whatever you are now, subordinating to all these outside influences then uh, yes, you are going to have be controlled by the government, by outside influences over your life. And therefore this is why, inter- and this is actually an interesting connection. You know how the other day I said to you, Warren Buffett and Charlie Mungo are holding the, the yearly thing, whatever, I can't remember, what, don't know what it is. And yep. um, a woman that stood up and saying about how teachers, you know, are so underpaid and, you know, they had agreed. However, they said the society and the, at least in America, the capitalism is so rewarded. So if you are in the entertainment industry, if you're in uh, anything with finance, you're heavily rewarded, more like almost way outside the polarity of what it should be rewarded. And um, if we look at what I just, yeah, and if we and if we look at what I just kind of said, those industries that get massively rewarded, rewarded, especially entertainment, are fueled by being out of governed and therefore having addictions to escapism through movies, through food, all these different things, right? So it's easy to kind of like really see how this is all entangled. The, the entertainment industry is a manifestation of humanity living at a lower level. Exactly. So creating fantasies, right? And, um, but breeding nightmares. 
so if you look at the entertainment industry as a standard, you know, like it is escapism, like the movies, unless you're watching documentaries, is um, is the majority of, of what people go to. So the entertainment, the actors that are in there that are acting in another form uh, to be somebody that they're not, right, which is also teaching or teaching humanity to actually look up to those particular things. And, you know, what do you watch movies for? It's either to, to actually, you know, get an emotional fix or something and to escape from, from the very uh, existential life that you're living. But then also, too, those actors are actually portrayed as beautiful, so therefore the fantasy is recreated again and they're looked up to because they earn a shit ton of money. So the majority of the masses want to become like that. But in essence, and then it's beautiful that you actually said that, the teachers, the ones that provide information are the lowest paid people in, in there. So they're less inspired to actually deliver that because they're actually teaching knowledge and wisdom or well, some of them, I wouldn't say all of them um, to, to children. So, you know, that is again, like who created that system of escapism and like phantasmical behavior to create the addiction to escapism in well, people, to, to which me, is yeah. that breeds the nightmare within, which is that, you know, it could be, well, it is a big source of people's potential depressions and suffering, etc., within themselves. Mm-hmm. So, um, coming back to, is that morally correct or is that morally incorrect? Right? Neither. No, it's just what is. It's just what's yeah. happening. Yeah. And some and people say, "Oh man, that's so bad," you know. But it's mm-hmm. not bad. It's just what's happening. It's just. Um, and act in behaviour that those who are not conscious to it are being uh, outerly directed along the along the play of that instead of being uh, conscious or super conscious and creating their own their own life force within themselves. They're being, uh, you know, putting putting movie directors or you know actors on pedestals and aspiring to actually be that, but but not mm. actually looking at the hard yards to actually be there. So. Mm, mm. And, and it's, it's interesting that you kind of brought that up before as far as you know is that is that you know around gaming back to again morals that i think that's where a lot of people get tripped up they get tripped up because they watch a teaching like this or a teaching of whoever and unless we interjected and, and made that statement they would then make the contrast in their mind like oh yeah movies are escapism and escapism is bad but again no that's not the point. i love movies you know, I maybe I do do it for escapism. Maybe I do it. I inspired by what's a cool soundtrack. But what if that soundtrack then inspired me to go and write a certain post or whatever can, happens to be? Can right? you see? Can you see that you're also utilizing it in terms of like consciously to gather information to be able to um, remodel or recreate back into your your essence of your service or what you're here for, right? So you have mm-hmm. a conscious understanding of why you're actually watching going watching right. the movie as opposed right. to well i'm just going to watch a movie because i'm bored shitless or yeah. that's what everybody else does so we just watch movies every day or every night right Got it. so it's you can understand the difference is it right or wrong no it's not it's just what people do 
when they're um, in an unconscious state and they don't have awareness or governance over their behaviour, right? Relationary to uh, nature and being in balance with nature. Does that make sense, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, again, you could say that morals and ethics are, could just be a simple form of consciousness and unconscious behaviour. And again, just break it down even simpler. It's just fantasy and nightmare, heaven and hell. So the movie, uh, the movie industry is perceived as being heaven, isn't it? Right? Mm. Or glorified. And, yeah, glorified. So it's actually you know glorified like that and put on heaven. But it's only if you're seeing one side. Like you're seeing, when you see the entertainment industry, unless a documentary has been made, you're seeing it in its, in its highest, purest form. It's like seeing the entertainment industry on cocaine or something. Because you see them not only beautiful, but then there's special effects. So you see this actor flying you see this actor being able to lift up a car or whatever it happens to be right it's extreme beauty but loved by you know so we bring this actor into the real life jamie fox for example and you see him in magazines oh he's a real person but you've seen him portray as an actor in so many different uh, movies as, as this wonderful person you never see the other side but i think the reason why we love the rise and the fall of an actor or celebrity it was because it makes us them more well them more human because we're like ah oh, they do have faults. Well, exactly, they're just being human. But again, like uh, they're judged otherwise in terms of the perceptions of the people that are actually judging them based on their belief systems. Which you could say that you know uh, that person is now morally outside the ratio of their perception because they have you know, demonstrated some act that is not in alignment with their values. So you label it as, well, that's not morally correct. But if you just break it down into the simplest form, it's just a person doing simple acts, you know, and which have probably been done somewhere else. But in that form, because they've been on a pedestal, they're mm. judged otherwise. So, you know, everything comes back to the perceptions, the inception or perception to people's judgments which are based off their belief systems based off their their um you know authentic uh advanced axiology not just the values that are surface stuff like deeper than that and you know that's something that i love to be able to teach my students is to to really understand the advanced axi axiology that's behind the driving forces of everybody and everybody and what they do and um, then you can actually derive the, a, a potential source of where most people actually live from, right? So um, do, does that make sense? Like bringing it back to that form and we go back to where uh, the inception of, you know, potential morals and ethics actually came from is based on religion, mm -hmm. right? Heaven and hell. Sure. And, you know, we can go back to Christianity and say, like, if you're not a good boy, you're going to go to hell, right? So, but who created that? Some, you know, Catholic priest or Christian uh, priest that was actually directed by something else, watered down Bible um, in, in understanding of sins and saints. So, but even, even predating that, though. Mm. Yeah, but, but even predating that, they, you only know how to effectively, this is me just downloading, you only know how to use the effect of morals and ethics if you're wanting to seek some kind of control over other people.
But yes. then again, you're only going to know how to do that if you know how the human behavior and how the mind works of fears and desires. So even all the way back then, you know, so again, like if you had read something on a tablet that you could read hieroglyphics and you could see something that was, they were saying, this is good and this is bad. You could almost say morals and ethics go all the way back to then, you know, trying to make something wrong or right, possibly. So that's Pretty much, it. right? Pretty much. And the, the earliest form of like religions, are, you know, Hellenistic based or solar based where they had sun worshipping, you know, and some people would say that the sun was morally incorrect because the fucker burnt me, you know, but mm. the sun's just doing what the sun does. It provides life and it also provides death. But in, in our minds is that death is bad, but, you know, death is part of universal evolution. It's absolutely necessary. So if you look at it from that perspective, is it still bad? Mm, mm. Plus, oh, but it's, it's also not. the myth of unknown, right? Like you, you joke with me sometimes and there's parts of it that I love it, you know, the finite and wanting to know the no, no, no. But it is that no one has been able to demonstrate, to my knowledge, someone dies and then what? You know, they might be able to do it at a, phys at a physics level or, a, you know, from that kind of side, but the consciousness of, they're all hypotheses is what I'm saying, so it becomes very meta. Beyond the, beyond the known, like meta-known. Yeah. Metaphysics yeah. actually provides a lot of information for that. And, you know, then there's philosophical arguments towards metaphysics and, and yeah. physics, which is potentially known. Yeah. And, you know, then we can talk about spirit and we can talk about matter and we can talk about those particular things. But mm. again, like the human mind in the, in the, the animal mind wants to have finite knowns, wants to have finite uh, I mean. understandings to be able to give themselves a state of comfort. Yep. and to give them a state of what they perceive as safety. Mm. And so from that space, they, they think that they feel great, right? So mm. that is what I is the essence of morals and ethics that's been leveraged over time from that, that base construct, being leveraged mm. over time to be able to have power over people or to you know, to have power over and, and to disempower in some form to be able to create control, right? So, but when you understand these constructs, you come into full consciousness, you become super conscious and you start to actually see uh, the, the law of polarity at play or the law of correspondence and the laws of rhythm. And you start to actually flow with, with nature. You start yeah. to flow with the universal constructs, right? Therefore, you actually don't require outside governance because you have full governance within yourself. That is the truest form of religiosity in essence, right? That is what most religious constructs or doctrines or dogmas do not want people to know that. You know, to me, it's quite simple. But, you know, it's the simplest thing. It's, you it's also getting, getting there is... is... Because, because we have all of these conditionings and beliefs That's what I mean. that have been like injected projectors probably from the moment that we took our first breath. And so, you know, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So to come back to the true essence of who you are is to actually look at all those beliefs, injected authorities, projected uh, subordinations, injected subordinations and and come back to, is this the true essence of who you are as a human being? So that's and why I think like workshops, those things. I think that's why workshops 
and we've discussed this and retreat holds so much more so much more power than just being like oh it's a retreat where you'll learn and do this and the reason i say that is because after someone watches a, a video or a documentary or any knowledge they typically just go about their day and then conduct their day by what's highest their priorities right but to really transform because this let, me, let me just say something here before you keep going is that if you, you want to bring in the construct of like um, the, con the conditioning that we've been taught through our education systems and also through other systems of um, you know parental control or societal belief systems we're taught what to think not how to think right mm -hmm. mm. we we have lost the ability as humans to think objectively or constructively. We actually have become lazy. Do we because, ever have it? Well, we certainly do have it, the ability to be able to actually be able to think for ourselves, right? Simple term, think for yourself, mm. ask quality questions. But what stops people from thinking for themselves and asking quality questions is fear of, you know, the seven fears that people mm -hmm. actually subordinate to, those fears. So, you know, we, we have to look at it from that perspective as well. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean. You know, the, the other day I was uh, taken into a mediation uh, in, in a legal setting with, with clients and... I was so curious actually watching, you know, like the person that I was there with was, you could say, you know, is a client, was full, full on actually taking subordination from the lawyer that she'd actually paid. Now, I was seeing things at a different, a different level of consciousness. And so I, being me, who doesn't subordinate too much, actually was asking questions. So, you know, was asking quality questions around, you know, the things that I perceive were being missed. And so therefore it opened up a, a whole new layer of awareness to, to more of a balanced outcome for this mediation process. But uh, I was also observing that my client was actually being told what to think and what to do and how it was going to happen. So giving up that power to somebody that they put in a perceived authority, like a lawyer, because you, we also have these perceptions that I've paid this money, they have this label, that so that they must give, be giving me the correct information. Mm. See, that in itself is a subordination to a label that is going to actually save you from the very thing that you're fearing. So it's also wise to be objective in those processes to still remain conscious enough to ask questions to be able to you know get to the directive that you potentially want to be able to get to mm -hmm. but if you don't because you're subordinating to that person in their label then you're disempowering yourself to be able to uh step into you know living more of an authentic life which then has you know uh consequences down the track for you for for people that are disempowered in that state mm. right mm. But, but that is that is, that is also the belief that we can't speak up because it's morally incorrect to actually challenge somebody that has that label. Well, I say bullshit to that, mm. you know, you know, like come back to the true essence of who you are and ask a quality question and, you know, like hold that person accountable if they're mm. representing you. Mm, 100%. And even, I don't know predating is the right word, 
before your client even going into that setting though, if your client was going into that setting, subjective, not objective, in a balanced state of an emotion, then of course that's going to birth all the subordinations and mm -hmm. looking for the hero and escaping the villain, right? So you're already at a, at, a, at a disservice to yourself. Yeah, very much so. So it's having that conscious awareness of where you are in terms of emotionality and yep. in terms of the ratios of perception yep. and being able to actually, you know, be present to that. And if you, and if you are outside the ratios of perception, high in emotionality, it's not wise to actually enter into to any form of uh, contractual agreements in that state of being. Yeah. Oh, man, it's so good that you just said that. This is what happens when people start learning about goal setting or we just hear about goal setting. We set goals. Usually goal setting is done in a form of like we're in a seminar, we're in a workshop, we're in something where you sit down and do the exercise and it's typically done or promoted setting goals in like a... Um, in the self-development or leadership world and it's done subjectively so people mm -hmm. set fantasies they said this is going to feel good and yep. when you say setting you know outside the ratios perception this is why people almost uh in my perception hate the word goals don't want to set goals because they're like what do i want oh that sounds nice i want that and they just chuck something up in the air and if it sticks it sticks and this is what breeds the the, the lower self-worth, the disappointment, and then you start spiraling down. And I talk to this not only from a research point, but my life and mm -hmm. experiencing it. So again, what you said before is, yes, there's simplicity to the, what self-governance is, but there's many, 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 many layers. And again, it's neither right or wrong. But why I said retreats and workshops are so powerful is because people can uh, take this knowledge but they continue on with their life when you're in a form of a workshop or a, a seminar and a retreat where you really have to do the work and you're no longer in your daily routine this is when you can uh, unfortunately go through the, the blessings and the curse of transformation because change and transformation can be uncomfortable but you really expedite and, and speed up that process of, of of transformation very very true very true and that, that's, that's why I love, um, you know, working one-on-one -on -one with clients too as well because I can get to the in-depth the in and hold them accountable and see their bullshit totally. too and um, help them actually see their unconscious motives or the unconscious behaviours or the unconscious belief systems that are, that are driving them, that are driving them maybe down a hole or, you know, into the wrong direction as such and bringing them back to a place that, they can look at things objectively. For people that don't know what objectivity is, is being able to see um, both things at the same time. So we talk about both things as, you know, the challenges and the, the actual, you know, supports that actually go hand in hand or the pros and the cons or the benefits and the drawbacks or the services and disservices, you know, the goods and the bads because they're never, they're never separated from each other. It's only our mind that actually separates them. And our mind actually, you know, like moral, uh, you know, polarizes them to one degree in terms of uh, what we think we're going to get the most benefits over and what we perceive we're going to get the most fantasies or what we perceive we're going to get the most pleasures because we have lived in that belief system. We've been fed the sugar. And so the, we continue on creating goals that are sugar and basically, you know, what we end up is, is the rotten fucking teeth because 
we haven't looked at the drawbacks to the sugary goals. I'm just going to call it that, right? You know, that's great. Great metaphor. Yeah. yeah. So it is looking at both sides objectively. And as much as I hate to say it, you know, Donald Trump was very proficient at this. And uh, you look at him throughout time as an entrepreneur and, and a billionaire, he used to actually have a team of people actually follow him around to actually look at all the potential threats of any project that he was going into, all the drawbacks so that he was uh, prepared for anything that happened. And you can see that, that that's playing out right now, you know, whether people want to label him as, uh, you know, a narcissistic, I don't know, I've heard some, some things or everything, you know, under the sun mm. that they've labelled him as. But realistically, if you want to look at it, you know, he had these particular things in play going along. You know, mm. what's the potential threats of, of the election? Well, we could have, you know, ballot tampering or these particular things. So what can we do to offset that? So it is getting very forensic. And, but then what it does actually does, it clears up space and time. It raises frequency and consciousness for people just to be on path and to act in a way that's more congruent with who they are, as opposed to actually being incongruent and reacting to who they are not. Mm. So there's and a beautiful difference in understanding that component within itself <clears throat> i hadn't I hadn't made that connection before which is quite funny in the sense that i have i had also heard how donald trump from the entrepreneurial business world does the whole you know foresight like tell me mm -hmm. everything that could be wrong with the project but mm -hmm. i didn't of course he would naturally take that behavior and that discipline into of government course. and politics you of know of course so, why, like, why wouldn't he he's the most authentic being on the planet in my perception. Yeah. Oh, you stare up some controversial here. <laughs> Absolutely. Controversial. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, love him or hate him, but I'm just looking at him in his pure authenticity of living and demonstrating his life the way that yeah. he is in, as an authentic human being. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. But, but again, even though it's, it's funny that you say that sort of butting in, you say authentic form. Okay, sometimes Donald Trump will show up and I've seen him on media and I have no idea. It's very hard to tell what's fake news these days and what's being mm -hmm. recreated. But yeah, sometimes he sounds like an idiot. It sounds like a tool. The tone he uses, this, that and the other. However, for someone to show up and speak like that, whether he's using it to his effect, yep. whatever, it doesn't really matter. Knowing that yep. half the population, half the world hates you because you're yep. showing up in a certain way to create the effect that you want is mm -hmm. in itself very authentic because you're having to deal with a lot of uh, hate but again the people that are causing this hate are by nature subjective they're only they're, they're living in this 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 form of seeing one side rather than being unconditional and, and they're also denying the fact that they actually you know like can be a tool can be an idiot themselves right exactly. you know and they can say stupid statements yeah. themselves but they're denying that factor within themselves so they're labeling him as you know moralistic or ethically incorrect for actually demonstrating that behavior in yeah. relation to his position but yeah. at the essence of core essence of who he is is just a human being living on path in the essence of it's it, it, it does not subordinate to to belief systems or moralistic components like from that base nature He's just yeah. being a, a fucking human being. 
Yeah, it's because he's been labelled president, so he should look and, and speak. Exactly. And like this. Right. So this brings in another form of like subordinating to labels, which exactly. is, and we can say the standards or procedures, because you are now in this label, you must operate in this format. Yeah, right? which is the morals. Which yeah. is the morals component to it. Because if you want to maintain the power, then we're going to have to trick or to create the belief systems of these standards of procedures which we know have governance over how people actually like to feel so you've got to fit that role but in essence you know no each human being is going to demonstrate all aspects of all all behaviors all expressions all repressions yeah every aspect that mother nature has given us to be able to utilize in a form for our existence doesn't matter who you are but if you're if you're in a position and, and you're trying not to, you know, trying to be something that you're not, then eventually that's going to, you know, have to blow up in terms of it's going to show up in your physiology. It's going to show up in, in many other different forms in terms of it just creates entropy in some ways, right? Of course. But coming, coming back to, um, again, if we look at the people are labeling it, labeling it as, you know, like the great divide in terms of humanity mm-hmm. at the moment because there's, there's pro-Democrats and pro-Republicans. You know, so that's the very essence of politics, right? Do you understand what the word politics means in the etymology, right? No. Poly means many, ticks are bloodsuckers. Huh. Why so, did they get that name then, of politics? Because it's just a new form of, of religion to have governance over belief systems. But when you can actually transcend that, you just see that Joe Biden and Donald Trump are just human beings that are living from a, from a set of in, in, um, injective values through these political parties. Mm-hmm. Then you just carry on in, in, in what and who you are in terms, mm-hmm. as long as you understand what your... Uh, authentic axiology is and who you are as a being on this planet mm. what you're here to do none of mm. that shit affects you yeah. but if you're actually living in like oh my god i've got to have the blue party win for me to be able to live my life then you're subordinating to that blue is going to give you life and red is going to give you death right yeah yeah so, and the more those rules that you have mm-hmm. to life mm-hmm the more that you put yourself into a box, you're like, oh, for me to be happier, this, this, this yep. needs to happen, but in this order, at this time, which mm-hmm. gives you a narrow window of, of, of fulfillment or whatever. And I was going to say something before. Go on to it, but yeah, I forgot it. <laughs> um, so the essence is, is to, to rise above in consciousness, to be, able to, to be able to grow your awareness and be present to you know, the actuality, not just yep. reality. Totally. Perfect. Well, my computer's just given me a, um, a nice warning that my battery's about to die. So perhaps that's a sign. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Oh, that was a, that was a great conversation that, uh, that definitely unpacked itself. So for, uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed that and we'll see you guys on the next time on the human source codex. Thanks, Cal. All right. Thanks, Mike. See you.